All right. This morning, we're in Hebrews chapter 3, no, chapter 4. And in chapter 3, we are given a warning. It says, Take, in verse 12 of chapter 3, it said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. The idea there is forsaking the living God, not departing. It's the idea of forsaking the living God. He has a way that he wants us to live. He has a way for us, for his people. And many people want to do things their own way. It's human nature. We all are afflicted with it. (laughs) This human nature causes us to have our own ideas about how things ought to be instead of accepting God's way for our lives. But he gives a cure for that, or an aid, shall we say. He says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin has a way of getting into our lives one way or another. It's deceitful, dishonest, it doesn't matter. It, It tries to get its, sin wants to get its way in our lives. And we are to encourage and exhort one another, to urge one another to serve the Lord with our lives. And that's what he calls us to do there. And verse 16 said, For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. He was talking about when they came out of Egypt and the children of Israel were out there in the, in the wilderness, under the leadership of Moses as as he was led of God. And verse 18 and 19 says, And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not, those that did not believe God, that did not, they said, God's brought us out here to, to kill us in the wilderness, to, we'll die of thirst, we'll die of hunger, Our clothes will wear out. God took care of all of those things and more. He led them with a fiery, cloudy pillar that they they could see and their enemies could see it for miles. Here there were a million people out there in the wilderness. They were fed, clothed, sheltered, protected. Uh, They were led by this fiery, cloudy pillar of a pillar of cloud during the day and a fire at night. They could see that all throughout the camp, wherever they were. They knew where God wanted them to go. And they didn't know the way for sure, but God led them. But but some did provoke God. For when they heard, they did provoke. That is, uh, rebel. The idea is rebellion. It's not just provoking, like irritating God. 
they rebelled against him. Said we we could go back to Egypt and we we had plenty to eat back there. All those leeks and garlics and and all this good good food to eat all the time in Egypt. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? Those that didn't believe God. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because of their stubbornness, their willfulness, their choosing to do something other than what God wanted. And this warning there in verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in forsaking or departing from the living God. We need to realize that our our God cares for us, provides for us, gives us many things. Brother Gary was telling about the provision for his truck when his clutch went out. And the parts being available quickly. And, and the repair done that very same day, which is unheard of. <laughs> Getting a repair done now? It's like, you want a doctor's appointment when? We've, we're booked until next month, you know. It, it, God provides for us in many ways. And so what we need to encourage one another to urge one another to stay close to God and to seek his will for our lives. Pray without ceasing. Is that a good admonition for us? Absolutely. As we go into chapter 4 here of Hebrews, it says, let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should come short now the rest of god his resting i don't i don't know about you but when we go on vacation we sometimes work harder at our vacation than we do at the work we do you know we have to get all of this stuff ready and uh, get the get the boat ready or get the the hunting gear ready or whatever, you know, whatever we're doing on our our time off, our vacation. I mean, we sometimes work harder at that than we do at at our normal jobs. I mean, it's, it's sometimes a lot of work to rest, <laughs> to rest up from what we do. You know, for Brother Gary here, he, to dr- go driving somewhere, that's a... They call it a busman's holiday. A bus driver gets off work and he goes and drives up in the mountains or someplace, you know. (laughs) We oftentimes find ourselves working hard at getting rest, but this is a rest that God has planned for us. A, a, A time of ceasing from what we normally do. Stopping that. And doing something else. So he says, let us fear. What is fear? 
what is the fear that's talked about here? I, I want us to turn over to the book of, in the book of Hebrews to chapter 11. There's a good example of the kind of fear that God expects from us, from his people. Chapter 11, verses 6 and 7. But without faith it is impossible to please God, to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we need to realize that God not only is, that, you know, that God exists, but he is one who rewards those who diligently seek him. And then he gives the example that I want to talk about. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things to come, or uh, things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, of the righteousness which is by faith. So, what did Noah do? God came to him at a time when, as I understand it, the water came as dew in the night. And it was on the grass and watered the grass and the trees and the the garden. Everything was watered by the dew. It didn't rain. It didn't snow. And God says, build a boat. Now, not a, not a boat like we think of. This thing was a tub by, by our comparison. It was just a wooden hull. It, it didn't have a rudder that I know of. It didn't have a sail. It didn't have a motor. <laughs> it was a container. And God gave the instructions for building this thing. What kind of wood to build it out of? How long it was to be? How wide? What kind of galleries went in it? God gave specific instructions. It was to have a door in the side of it. A ramp, if you will, that they could let down to herd the animals into. And then he wanted all of these animals gathered up from all over the world. All the animals were to be brought in in pairs and birthed in that boat. They had to have a place to live inside this boat. Well, the people around Noah said, Noah, you're crazy. What are you building a boat for? You're far from the ocean. The the ocean's a long ways away. And here you are building uh, uh, this monstrosity. I mean, come on. You're crazy. They, they thought Moses, that Noah was crazy. But Noah had been warned of God. There's a flood coming. And these were things that weren't seen as yet. Nobody ever seen it rain, much less a flood. Dew didn't bring a flood of any kind. But he moved with fear. 
What kind of fear? That's, that's what we're asking here. What kind of fear? God said it. I believe it. And I'm going to do it. Because I believe God. He moved with fear. And he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He was saved by doing what God said. All the other people on earth were not. They died. God said, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. Noah believed. He acted in fear. But Noah didn't just run around like, uh, like you know, the story of Chicken Little. Run, run, the sky is falling. Help, help. <laughs> no, no, that's not the kind of fear that he had. He went out and did God's bidding. He went out and started cutting trees and brought in lumber and started building this exactly to God's specifications. That's the kind of fear that he had. It was a fear put into action. And that is what, that is the kind of fear that is called for here in Hebrews chapter 4. It said, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left, of, left us of entering into his rest, any of, you, any of you should come short of it. Any of us. We, we don't want to come short of what God expects in our lives. We want to act in that kind of fear. God has given us promises. But each promise has a caveat, if you will, that says, if you will do this, I will do this for you. It's God who has, uh, has all things. They're in his control, not in ours. We find, soon find out how little control we have and how much we depend on God. We can't make the sun come up in the morning. We can't move the clouds. We can't do a lot of things. We can't maintain our own health. God does that. He's the great physician. <laughs> He's the one that takes care of us from day to day. But there's coming a time of rest and we need to learn how to rest. Sometimes we just get so wrapped up in what we're doing that we forget about God, what he wants. And we get busy doing our own things, doing it our way. Hustle, hustle. Quick, we've got to, we're late, we're, we can't get there on time. We've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to do something else. But there's coming a time of rest that God has promised for his people. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, that is unto Moses and the children of Israel as they came out of, out of Egypt. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. And that's the important part of that verse. Because they didn't believe what God had said, 
yeah, you know, we'd like to come out of slavery, but we want to be running things. <laughs> no. God says, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to provide for you. I'll, give, I'll be your strength. I'll be your protection. But they didn't believe. It was not their... The, the word was preached to them, was told, this is the way it's going to be. God says, this is what I want. You do what I say, and I will take care of you. But they didn't believe. Their, their action, yes, they, yeah, they came out of Egypt. That's what they wanted. They wanted out of slavery. And God provided them with clothing from, of the Egyptians, provided them with even the Egyptians' jewelry, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> they were carrying everything that, out of there. And... And yet it wasn't mixed with faith. They said, yeah, well, we'll, we'll get out of, out of Egypt. That's, that's our first thing. But I don't know about God out there in the wilderness. You know, he, can he feed us? We're, there's a million people here. How's he going to feed a million people? <laughs> How's he going to provide water for us, much less for all of our livestock that they also brought with them? God provided, but they still didn't believe. And then he goes, he talks about us. Those of us now in the church, he says, for we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. This is, is quoting that idea back there in Psalm 95 that we talked about last week. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest on the seventh day from all his works. And then we know that's talking about Genesis chapter 2. Verse 2 there, it says that God rested. God set the example for us of resting and, and taking a rest. Otherwise, we'd be work, 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 work all the time. I'm glad for the rest that God provides. It was the Sabbath in Moses' day. And we, we have found it convenient to take off both Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> but Sunday is the first day of the week. The, the last day is a day of rest. And that's, that was the Sabbath that was called for. And then he goes back and he quotes Psalm 95 again in verse 5. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest... If, that big word if, is a conditional word. It's a word that says there are, there, there's a way to do this, and it's God's way. It said, if they're going to enter into my rest, it's going to have to be God's way that they enter in. 
Verse 6. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter in, enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. So he said there, that rest is still there for those that would enter into it. Enter it, doing it God's way. Not their own. And they whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. They didn't get that rest because of their uh, disobedience, if you will. When, when you don't believe something, you're not going to obey it. You're not going to do it that way. You're going to do it some other way. And that's what they did. They disobeyed God. So it didn't help them any. Verse 7 says, And he again, or he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. This is quoted several times. It was quoted in last, last week's lesson several times. It's quoted several times in this week's lesson. This is important. Today, right now, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't turn against God. Don't say, I don't want it that way. That's what they did. And they lost out. They missed out. Yes, they went into Canaan land, but many of them died in the land. Had they gone in by faith, as Joshua and Caleb did, God would have provided for them. Joshua was an old man. He was in his 80s when he went into the land. He was in his 80s. But he led his people. He says, I want that mountain where the giants live. I'm going to take that one. That's, that's the part that I want. He says, I'm not afraid of those giants. Here he was, an 80-year-old man. He led the army going into, led his army in, going in there, and he took that mountain by God's grace. I doubt that... Joshua lost a man to those giants. He entered in by faith. And he took his mountain. And he helped the rest of the nation. He led the nation at that point. Moses died. He didn't get to go into the land because of his disobedience. Because of his acting in anger. And doing his own thing, he didn't get to go into the land. He got to see it. He got, came up to the edge, came up to the Jordan River, but he didn't get to go in. Even Moses didn't get to. Only two that, I'm, that the scripture speaks of, Joshua and Caleb. Those two spies, a couple of 80-year-old spies going into the land, and they, it took two of them to carry out a bunch of grapes between them. 
they had to string it up like it was a, a deer on a pole to, to bring that out of the land. They said, it's everything that God said it was going to be. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. We've got everything we need there. Let's go take it. And all the others that went in there says, yeah, but we're, we're like grasshoppers before them. We, they'll just step on us. They're giants in the land. They feared, but they didn't fear God. They feared the giants. What kind of fear do we have? What is this fear that it says here? Let us fear, therefore, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. We don't want to come short. We want to do things God's way. And then in verse 8, it's, I'm going to put in here a different word than Jesus. It says, For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? This is one place where the translators of the King James missed out. Jesus wasn't known in that day. Joshua was the one that led them into the, into the land. But he didn't give them rest. And another future time was spoken of, of that rest. There therefore remaineth a rest to the people of God. God's people. Not to anybody else. Just God's people, those that follow him, those that believe, those that act in faith, those that fear. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. So who's he talking about? He. He that is entered into his rest. Into his rest. He also hath ceased from his own works. That's us. We need to cease from our own works to, in order to do God's work. He can't, we can't be doing our work as opposed to God's work. And so he says that we have to cease from our works. Our works, whatever they might be. Let God direct our lives. Show us the way. Help us to achieve his will in our lives. God isn't trying to keep things from us. He's not trying to destroy us as they thought out here in the wilderness of out here in the world. God provides for his own. But then he says something that sounds kind of contradictory. He says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into the rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. What do you mean labor? I mean, Ephesians tells us that we can't labor for it. It's not our own works. We aren't doing our works. We're entering into his works. We're ceasing from our works but we're entering into his. Yeah, 
Yes. It says, by, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. But he says, labor. What, what did Jesus have to say about laboring? Look back in John chapter, chapter 6, verse 27 says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. God the Father sealed Jesus Christ. He, he authorized him. He set him as the leader of mankind to come here and pay the price of our sin and direct and guide us into love, into what, what are the two great commandments? Love God above all others and thy neighbor as thyself. And you fulfill the law in doing that. All the law, it says. Love. That's, that's a commandment that Jesus gave. But he says here, labor not for the meat which perisheth. Now, the, he was talking to people here who had just been fed. The 5,000 were fed by five small barley loaves, and two small fish. 5,000 people were fed by that. And they gathered up 12 baskets of fragments afterwards, after they were all satisfied. 5,000 people fed on some kid's sack lunch. <laughs> That's what it was. A, a small child had brought his own lunch. He had five little barley loaves and two little fishes. That, that was his lunch for the day. He came prepared. I, I tend to think he was a Boy Scout. <laughs> he would be prepared. Well, Even then, he said, what's this among so many people? Yes. And they show you how, what God can do. Well, and then, and then they, Jesus crossed over the, the sea to, and left them behind. And they came looking for him. And they found him. And when they had found him, this is verse 25 there in John chapter 6. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? When did, when did you come over here? And Jesus answered to them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. What was their motivation? They, they believe him as long as he was feeding them. Is that what, is that the picture I, that's what the picture I get? Yeah, we, well, yeah, you fed us. We, we like that. Boy, that, that, was, that was a good lunch. Jesus said, yeah, it, it wasn't the miracle that you were excited about. You were excited about being provided for. And then he says, labor not for the meat which perisheth, 
but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. God gave his unction, his sanction, his uh, appointment to Jesus to come and to do God's bidding. And he did it. And he performed miracles because God gave him the power to do it. But this labor, it says labor not for the meat which perisheth. These are things that are going to pass away, but there is coming a rest for God's people. And that is what we need to look forward to. That kingdom, that holy kingdom where God is everything. He's the light of that world. He's, a, he's to be the light of the world for us now. So we need to be looking for that in our lives today. Not some future day, not some pie in the sky sort of thing. We're talking about doing God's bidding today. Doing his will now. Laboring for that, which, that meat which isn't perishable but that meat which endures unto everlasting life. That's what we want. So back here in Hebrews again, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. That example of unbelief was the Jews in the wilderness. For the word of God is quick and powerful. This is verse 12. That is, it is living and is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is that. So what is it said? It's dividing, it's cutting, separating things. It separates uh, piercing even unto the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. How do you separate a soul from a spirit? <laughs> God can. God's word can and does. And of the joints and marrow. Well, okay, I'd just as soon not have my joints and marrow separated. I have a little trouble with them every now and then anyway. But the last part is what's important. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's able to judge between what we think and what we do. What, how we act and why we act the way we do. God knows your motive, knows your motivation, why you do what you do. And this is where it's able to judge us. This is where God is able to judge because God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Where is your heart? Is it serving God? Or are you worried we're not supposed to worry. We're supposed to pray. Put things in God's hands. 
and act as he gives us direction. So, with this idea, think about Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, which says, is it 21 or 29? 621. It says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What do you value in life? What is your treasure? Verse 20 says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What do you value? He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, or lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where it's not like the earth. We lay up treasures here on earth. We're going to leave those behind. But if we lay up treasures in heaven, we have that to look forward to when we get there. I'm afraid a lot of, a lot of Christians are not laying up treasures in heaven. They'll get there, but they won't have much to look, they won't have much to work with. Their treasure will be very minimal. They'll be poor people in heaven. <laughs> he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Moth and rust can't take that away from you there. Thieves can't take it away from you. They can here. The things that we accumulate here, all the junk we collect in our lives, all the baggage, whatever, that can be stolen from us. That can be destroyed. That can be done away with. And we end up with nothing anyway. But that doesn't happen there. So we need to labor. Lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. All right, back here to Hebrews chapter 4 again. God knows our motives, as we see in, chapter, in verse 12. He knows the intent, the thoughts and the intents of the heart, how we think, how we visualize the world around us. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We can't hide anything from God. You can't hide anything. Not a single thing. Not a sin. Not a treasure. Not a, uh, a thought. You can't hide from God. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. He sees everything. But all things are naked and open to open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This is our God. He sees everything. Doesn't miss a thing. 
Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. We believe in Jesus. We were saved. He says, since we have this high priest that is already there at the right hand of God, Jesus, the Son of God, let us believe, let us hold fast, hold, hold on to it tightly, onto our profession of faith. Don't let that get away from you. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. This is Jesus that's being talked about here. He feels our infirmities. He was here. He was tempted like we are, and maybe more than we have been. We have a, it, it's not as though we don't have a high priest that, that can be touched with our, the feelings of our infirmities. When we have things that we say, Lord, I can't do this. How am I supposed to do what you want me to do? I don't have the resources. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have something else. God can provide, can't he? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. He's not going to criticize you because you don't have stuff. He can provide stuff. <laughs> he can provide what you need. The resources that you need to do God's will. So we have this, high, this great high priest that has passed into the heavens already. He's already accomplished his work on this earth. Jesus, the Son of God, let us lay hold on, on that profession of faith and say, I believe God today. I believe him now. Not just yesterday. Not just when I was first saved. But he can provide for me now. For verse 15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, our weakness. He, he can feel that, understand that, because he was here as a man, just as we are. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. What is sin? Miss the mark? That's the idea. It, it's anything that comes short of being what God wants us to be. Anything. Oops. Who of us hasn't fallen short? Who, who of us always hits the mark? Who of us is perfect? None of us. But... Jesus knows about that. He knows why we fail, how we fail. Yet he was without sin. Verse 16 says, Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Wow. 
Wow. Wow. That's now. You bet. That is immediate. We can come to God. Let us do it boldly. Let's not be afraid to come to Jesus. Come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. What's mercy? That's where you're found guilty and you're let off the hook. (laughs) That we may obtain mercy and find grace, unmerited favor to help in the time of our need. Jesus is there to provide that for us. We need to come boldly before him. Oh. He's not a high priest that's inaccessible. You know, the high priest in Israel was inside there and the high priest wasn't necessarily accessible. Our high priest is. He's Jesus. The one that we professed faith in. Let's not miss a chance to, when, when we've got something that we've done wrong, something we're short of, some place where we've failed, let's come and obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You know, we need to be glad when we're, we have trials and temptations, when troubles come upon us. Well, what do you mean? Be glad? Yeah. Let's turn to the book of James. Book of James, chapter 1. Verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Tests, trials, um, various troubles in our lives. He says, count it all joy. When you fall into these temptations, into the trials, uh, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You learn to make it through those things by God's grace, and we learn patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, not doubting, not wavering or doubting at all. Ask in faith. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Woo! That's a warning. Act in faith, believing so that you can receive. It says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That idea of double-minded is two-faced. A two-faced person isn't going to receive anything from God. He's not acting in faith. He just wants to be fed like those people there by the sea. They want those stuff now. 
They're not looking forward to that day of rest. We get to see God will provide a way that you may be able to bear it. But remember, God knows our motives, knows our hearts, knows who we are. We can't hide anything from him. Ask in faith, nothing doubting, and God will do the provision in his way, not necessarily the way we think it ought to be. But we need to remember, and we need to act in fear the way Noah did. Act in fear. Build that stupid boat. <laughs> you might look, look like an idiot out there building a boat in the middle of the desert. But God knows. He's also promised us that the world is going to be destroyed again. Only this time by fire. Where are you going to hide this time? How are you going to build a boat against fire? God is the one who provides for us. He's the one that is our safety. He, he's the one who is our... We need to hide in the hand of God. That's the only place it's safe. That's what I have for you this morning. And I hope, I hope it's blessed you as it blessed me last night as I studied. We need to realize who our God is. And trust him. Learn to trust God every day, all the time. God sees our hearts and knows who we are and loved us anyway. He still loves us. We need to go to this high priest and ask for mercy. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for the things that we need to do what he wants us to do. And he'll provide Thank you.